I don't know if you have you ever heard any of the episodes that we've done. Yeah, yeah, I I, I listen to all of them. Oh wow! Okay, good. So you so you know the deal then. You know, uh, like we just yes, haven't. I know the deal. It's just chatting about you, mate. Perfect. Hi, I'm Steve Joel, a radio host from New Zealand who's a little bit obsessed with Warhammer 40,000. This series of podcasts celebrates our hobby through the people that influence the way we play or paint or read or consume the game. The 40K Game Changers. And this week we're talking to a man who does a little bit of all of it. I'm interested in this video, the behind the scenes of a battle report because people don't have any idea what goes on when you're making a battle report, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, we, we, I thought to myself, look, there's a lot of people that um, always comment and, and uh, are not very nice sometimes with the battle reports. <laughs> they, they don't actually, they don't actually uh, see how much or uh, work get, goes into a, a single battle report. Yeah. Um, so I thought, um, why not? Let's show them exactly what they don't see. At the time I called, he was busy editing a video showing what goes into making a battle report. So the hours and hours and hours of work that sometimes people appreciate and sometimes not so much. We, we, we get a, a, a codex sent by Games Workshop uh, and you have like the, a day to actually read it and play the reports before it has to come out. Um, so yeah, it's, it becomes a bit of a mess. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. I have to shout out to the Frontline Gaming Network as well for their support in producing this podcast. They've been supporting since day one. And I'd love it if you could support me by supporting them. Click the link in the show notes to get tickets to the biggest events in the US and their amazing pre-painted terrain. Also, could you go like the 40K Game Changers page on Facebook? That'd be awesome. Loving how there's there's no delay. You're on the like literally the opposite side of the world. I don't think we could be further away from each other, and yet there's just no delay. It's just funny that you have just woken up and I'm looking forward to bed. Yeah, now. I know. It's, it's just so odd. Yeah. All right, let's do this, man. I'll I'll get started. Here we go. He's one of the founders of SN Battle Reports. He's the mastermind behind the famous No Retreat event in Gibraltar, as well as the No Retreat Legends event and others. He's the captain of the Gibraltar WTC team and, along with his team, has turned the tiny nation into a genuine 40k force. He's also a world dance champion and a semi-professional MMA fighter. Stephen Pardo, what a resume, man. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for that uh, amazing introduction. Well, look, and, uh, there's so much in your life that I'm fascinated to talk about, so much. But I, I want to start with where you live because... Uh, everybody's heard of Gibraltar. Everybody knows it as the rock, but it's tiny. It's this tiny little country. And I was doing some research around it. The The history of it is complicated and it swings back and forth between different kings and different countries. So right now you're officially part of the UK, but do you think of yourselves as British or Spanish or something else entirely? Um, we definitely um, think of us as British. Um, right. There's always been that talk about if, it's, it's a question I'm always asked. Do you think, uh, are you British or Spanish? But but you're attached to Spain and there's a lot of Spanish names and there's obviously a lot of Spanish influence through Gibraltar as well, right? Yeah, exactly. We, we Our frontier is only connected to Spain. And like you've already stated, uh, Gibraltar is a very, very small place. 
uh, 30,000 uh, population. Yeah. So as you can imagine, it's, it's very, very small. And uh, yeah, we, we, I'm just like maybe a 10-minute walk from Spain. So that's how close we are. <laughs> I love that. I love that. This is something, see, in New Zealand we don't – it's so far – even Australia is the closest country to us. That's a three-and-a-half-hour flight on a plane to get there. And to get to that's you crazy. would take me probably 24 hours. It's just yeah, it's crazy. It's so far away. So the idea that uh, you can be in Europe and just go from here to there to there to there to there just in in minutes is amazing to me. And uh, it is. what do you what do you call? Are you Gibraltans? Uh, Gibraltarians. Gibraltarians. Okay. Yeah. That, <laughs> that sounds like a political party, the Gibraltarians. Um, yeah, it does, Lauren. <laughs> and it's so close to that. I don't want to spend too long on Gibraltar, but it is, a, to me, a fascinating place because it is small and because technically you could just be eaten up by Spain, but also so close to the northern tip of Africa. It's just like you can feel, looking at a map, it feels like you could just jump across. Yeah, it's crazy. There's, there's some views, um, which you can basically see it from anywhere in Gibraltar, where you're basically looking at two continents where you can see and three countries because obviously... There's Spain, Gibraltar, and obviously Africa, just yeah. across uh, yeah. the water. So it must be an amazing mix of cultural influences and peoples. It is, yeah. The, 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 it's very, very cultural. Um, a lot of different religions as well, you know. Uh, but it's a crazy place, you know. It's a, it's a big rock uh, covered <laughs> by uh, uh, an old city wall, and uh, everybody lives inside the city walls. You've got monkeys living in the rock. Uh, beaches. It's a, it's a really, really weird but very nice place. Yeah, it seems like a paradise, and I understand why people want to go there for 40K events. You're a crazy person, though. Speaking of crazy, you just do everything. I mean, there are do-everything people, and then there's you. You don't ever dabble. You just you go all in. Do you know there's a club where there's, there's a page with your name on it on the Gibraltar Football Club. Were you part of the Gibraltar Football Club? Yes, I, I actually played. Um, I actually played fo- football when I was younger, and then um, me and my friends actually started a team, which we sold um, to a uh, business partner. Uh, I think it was seven years ago. So wow. I've played it, and I've also owned a team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, this is it. When you get involved in something, you start a club and get everybody else involved as well, and people follow you. The Animus Paintball Club is another project that you had for a for a while. Yes, yeah, exactly. I've seen you've been uh, digging into my my background. Oh, yeah, man, I uh, dig. Yeah, so, That's uh, what I do. <laughs> uh, I used to play paintball uh, a lot. Um, I used to um, go into Spain because it's it's quite big in Spain. Yeah. Um, so I got involved with that. And uh, obviously Spain uh, being so close and Gibraltar being so small, um, we basically tried to build a quite competitive paintball team to go to uh, Spanish events. Wow. So and like you started that club, like you would just you you got a bunch of people in uh, Gibraltar yeah, and said let's do this. Exactly, yeah. I knew there was a couple of people that were always going uh, to in, into Spain to play. So obviously, uh, I got in contact with them. Uh, we started training together, and yeah, we started a, a really uh, cool and close uh, team, and they've now become friends. Really, yeah. So you started a football club and sold it. You started a paintball club so you could compete around Spain. And, and you're a world champion dancer as well. But I feel like that's something that you've been doing for a very long time. Yeah, so um, I've been dancing since the age of uh, eight. Yeah. Um, so my sisters always danced. Uh, they're older than me, so obviously 
when I was younger, I always went to uh, actually watch them dance in shows and competitions. And um, I've got three sisters. So as you can imagine, um, being the only boy and the smallest, I just followed through. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been dancing ever since when I, I actually stopped a couple of years ago due to just not having time between uh, SN, my full-time job. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've competed at high events and um, and won a lot of uh, European and world titles. I feel like 2013 was the peak. Was that when the Gibraltar team went and just smashed it like everywhere? You you got a title and the team got titles. You had gold medals coming out your bums when you came home. Yeah, that the 2013 team is is very, a very iconic year because uh, the team was at, at, at its best, I would say, um, and uh, we got rewarded for it. There was a lot of hard work that went into it that year, and uh, with the choreographers and obviously um, a lot of help by, with sponsors and stuff, we, we really uh, did very well that year. Do you think, and this is going back to the cultural influences in Gibraltar, I was looking at like the Danza Academy in Gibraltar, and it feels like for a population of 30-odd thousand, there are an awful lot of members. It feels So dance must be just big in your part of the world. And in Gibraltar, is does everyone dance? Is everyone just good at it? It feels like that because it's such a small population. Um, there's, I think there's, I think there's like 12 dance schools in a population of 30,000, which is, if you think about it, it is huge. That's, <laughs> a lot. that's crazy. Um it is crazy. So it's always been part of Gibraltarians. I think, um, obviously, it's quite small, so we don't have, like, big stadiums and other sporting facilities because there's just not enough space. So dance is an easy type of sport um, just because you don't need a big space to actually uh, practice and perform it. Yeah. I feel in, my, in my imagination, and this could be completely wrong, but you just dance in the streets and there's music playing and it's hot. It's like there all the time. So it feels like, you know, a Rio de Janeiro style. It's, I'm, I'm sure that's not what life is like in Gibraltar because you have to work for a living as well. But it's just, it feels like dance and music, are they a big part of your culture? Yeah, like a Disney film, right? <laughs> yeah, is that not life? Life in Gibraltar must be a Disney film. Do you break into <laughs> musicals? <quite> <laughs> <laughs> and now, uh, your wife, did you two meet in dance or did you uh, meet first and then um, dance so, later? So she's, she's not my wife yet. She's my fiance. Oh, so I beg your pardon. Married, Sorry. Uh, in in three, three months. <laughs> uh, three months. The wedding is a month. But um, yeah, she was actually um, my dancing partner yeah. uh, for a couple of years. And um, obviously it went from there. So we've now been together for, for 10 years now. Wow. And uh, getting married in three months. And finally you popped the question. That's awesome. Or did she pop the question? Yes. I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Took you a long time, man. Come on. So, it did. It did. It did. Oh, congr- it's very busy. It's just very, very busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And congratulations. I did. So, okay. Fiance. And getting married in three months. That's awesome. And dance is taking you to some cool places around the world too. I, you know, 2013 was Hungary, but you, you've obviously, you've done a lot. You've been a lot all over the world. Yeah, um, that's the good thing about my my dance career. Uh, it's taken me everywhere. You know, it's, it, I've 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 moved all around the world, going to competitions, and um, the, the the best thing about them all is that um, most of these events are normally held in places just to help their tourism. Yeah. So um, I've been to places where I would never have imagined to go. You know, um, and little little towns and cities around. Slovenia and, 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 and Belgrade, and, um, which I would have never thought. 
I've been to Montenegro. Yeah. Um, you know, everywhere that it's not somewhere that you say, oh, I, I really want to go there. Right. So where's the best but place? Where, where's the place. best place in the world outside of Gibraltar? Where's the best place you've been? Um, so I, Slovenia is absolutely beautiful. It's it's a place. It's a place where not a lot of people talk about, but mm. the coast of Slovenia is beautiful. And the further in you get, there's really nice like hotels, and there's like they do a lot of like treehouse hotels. Um, and then apart from that, I really enjoyed Croatia. Uh, oh, so yeah. again, the coastline, the coastline of Croatia, uh, places like Pula uh, are just uh, phenomenal. They're amazing little places. So I don't know how you get 40K into your schedule with a dance and starting paintball clubs and starting football teams and your full-time job and your fiancé and everything else going on. How the hell did you get even started? And I mean, I know you, same as everybody, started when you were a little kid, but as an adult, how do you get back into 40K and think, yeah, I've got time for a game that takes this long? Oh, so, so like you've already stated, I, I started when I was young. Uh, one of my brothers actually played uh, fantasy. So obviously he, he brought me into the hobby. And uh, like most of, of us, we all had our um, period of a teenager where Warhammer wasn't cool yeah. and you just wanted to uh, get drunk and, and party with your <laughs> friends. So um, I had a, a quite a big break, but um, when I came back, I, think I came back with, with, with vengeance and uh, there was a small club going, going on in, um, in Gibraltar. And like everything I do, if I get and join it, I'll go I'll put in 100%. So um, I came in and I, I basically started running the club after a couple of months and it, it's all been uh, built up from there. Yeah. And it, as you say, you just kind of, you get into it and you, you just go nuts on. So where in the scheme of things, because I feel like the paintball kind of was mid to like 2000 and something up to about 2010, 11. The football must have been around the same time. When did you get back yeah. into, as a grown-up, when did you get back into 40K? Um, I think it must have been maybe 14, 15 years ago. I've always kept with the hobby. So I've always I've carried on buying the White Dwarf magazines. Yeah. Um, I've carried on every so often checking out things like Games Workshop website. And uh, it just, it just, it just magically happens. Basically, I, I got onto YouTube one day. There was the likes of Striking Scorpion, Mini War Gaming. Started watching Battle Reports again, and obviously, then I found out about the club, and uh, it's, it's, it's just got, <laughs> gone from there. So, I would say, after, I, I, I actually was still playing paintball and was still playing football, but obviously, um, I stopped those, and that's when uh, it re I really went into uh, Warhammer again when I had a bit more time. <laughs> okay. So now I'm going to throw something else into the mix because people who are listening are going, okay, fair enough. When you get into 40K, maybe your, your uh, football and your paintball have to take a back seat because you're still doing your dance. We're going to throw something else into the mix here now. You at some point decided, <laughs> I want to get go get punched in the face a lot. <laughs> and so you became an MMA fighter. Again, I feel like this is <laughs> just because, what, you don't have enough on your it's plate. crazy. Yeah, people, when I explain this stuff to people, they think I'm just joking around because it's such a different mix. You know, I, I tell people, ah, I've danced competitively and um, I've played paintball and I've, I play football ah, and I also do MMA. So so I'm o I've always been a massive fan of martial arts. Yeah. Obviously, um, uh, mixed in with the dance, you know, you've got cap capoeira 
which is a type of martial art which which um, focuses a lot on on like dance moves and stuff. Obviously, um, as a as as a younger dancer, I started with break dance and stuff. So obviously, all these things have always helped my martial art career. Um, and yeah, I, since I was young, I've always been um, been uh, in jiu-jitsu. Um, I've done a lot of um, wrestling as I grew up. I always fancied boxing. Um, and then I just t- took the plunge and took it a step further. Um, I was doing very, very well in my club. And obviously, one of my uh, coaches asked me for the first time if, if, if I wanted to fight. And I never stepped down in an occasion like that. And uh, I said yes to my first fight, and then five five, five fights after, um, I'm still here. Yeah, and on what? So just so people understand, I mean, there's corporate level fighting. I've done that. I've done a corporate, like I trained and whatever, and got involved in boxing, and then was invited to a corporate event and and did one fight and thought, great, I won that. I'm going to retire now. That's one thing. You're a semi-professional MMA level fighter and you've gone five fights undefeated so you're like that's a whole nother level now we're not talking about someone who dabbles in it because you don't dabble in anything you do you've gone all in again but how where does when when did that start in relation to everything else and again how the hell do you fit it in yeah I, I still don't know how I do it but I always have the time to fit things in like my, my parents and my girlfriend uh, always say the same. They say, um, "Fiance, Stephen, fiance, fiance." Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you have thirty-hour hour days, whilst the rest of the people have twenty-four hour days. Yeah, they just don't know how I do it. But um, look, I, I always put my hundred percent into everything I do. Like I said, I'm a massive fan of mixed martial arts, and I've always done it since I was a kid. Yeah. So um, when I stopped dancing, or, or at the mostly at the end of my career, um, I started to dabble in more into into MMA. You know, UFC got bigger, so obviously that created a bit of a more buzz for me to uh, to get step step into the ring and uh, the cage. And um, yeah, it's just my coaches saw that I I did have a good um, martial art career ahead of me. Obviously, I think the dancing helped a lot. Yeah, and um, yeah. and it's gone from there. I, I remember actually uh, one of my first coaches um, when I started to obviously bar and stuff he actually said oh you you move like a dancer and i i actually answered to him yeah yeah i, I am a dancer <laughs> and he laughed it he laughed he laughed it off because he thought right. that i was joking and um obviously I, i'm like I, I my my face got really really uh serious and said like no no i i am a dancer and then i obviously explained all that and he said oh that's why yeah well and it's uh, like aside from the movement you know your ability to move and uh get out of the way and then get into the right positions quickly and effectively. Uh, I guess fitness as well, because, you know, without wanting to sound, you know, there's Stephen Box and then and there's you. You are this uh, extraordinarily fit. And when you got into MMA and you were doing your dance, you know, when you're at your peak, you are jacked, man. You're like physically this extraordinary yeah. human. So, so, yeah, so for those of you who haven't met me in real life, I'm quite short. I'm like one meter 62, so I'm, I'm quite short. So um, when I actually went into uh, semi-professional fights, obviously my my height and weight advantage had to uh, be changed. So I would I would lose about maybe 12 kilos. Wow. To get into into the the 60s kilos because I'm I'm quite muscular, so I'm quite heavy. 
And obviously, um, I don't really want to fight a bigger fighter than me. So um, I would drop my weight as much as possible. I've always been into dieting as well and stuff with, with dance. So um, that helped again. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like with because when you dance, you know, you're obviously physically uh, in great shape and then you switch over to MMA and it's probably different shape. You have to get into a different shape slightly, but still, you're, you've got a great platform to work from. Uh, and for those, again, for those listening who, who want to see Stephen in action, if you Google it, uh, Stephen Pardo MMA, there's a great video comes up of you just smoking Miguel Martinez back in 2016. So is that, yes. Was that your there's first fight? videos, actually. Um, no, that was my second fight. Okay. Uh, I think there's a couple on YouTube, actually. New Zealand, uh, and again, for people listening, I don't want to keep throwing New Zealand into this because it's about you. Uh, but New Zealand has a couple of guys that do okay. Have you heard of Israel Adesanya and Dan Hooker and of Kai course, France? Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Massive, massive fans of them. Yeah, yeah. So the Kiwis, Kiwis are doing all right in MMA at the moment. Um, yeah, they are. They're doing really well. I, I feel like Gibraltarians in general are high performers. Is it because there's like 10 of you who do everything? <laughs> Just kind of like... But to tell you the truth, I've always thought the same. I think most of the population is quite fit. We've always been into fitness and right. and uh, looking good. And, uh, you know, there's so much... Everybody likes sports and stuff like that as well. So um, it's, it's it's something that you've always seen, really. It's, it's, it's quite weird. It's a bit surreal, but... Um, everybody is quite into fitness. And you don't ever, for a, we keep mentioning the population, 30-odd thousand, 32-something, I think it is. So, but but you don't ever take that as an excuse or take a backward step or look at a situation and go, oh, I don't think we can do that. It feels like Gibraltarians, you particularly, but the, the country in general, like if you're playing football or playing sport or playing 40K, you don't ever go, oh, we're so small, how can we ever compete? You just throw yourselves at it and believe it. That yeah, you can. it's actually the, it's actually quite the complete opposite. As as we are a small nation, we also we always try to prove ourselves as uh, the small uh, country that that proves their difference, you know, and uh, com- tries to compete against the, the bigger countries. Yeah, I would see again with New Zealand, but we're a small country. You're not a small country. You're a small city. Like, you, like I'm just yeah. We're exactly that. We're 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 just a small city, a little town even. Yeah, your your population is smaller than the town I live in, out of just out of the capital city of New Zealand. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So back to 40k. I feel like people listening want to know your 40k career. We've dealt with dance. We've dealt with MMA. Um. Is there a, a big 40k scene in Gibraltar? Um, there is actually a big scene. Um, to tell you the truth, maybe our club has maybe fifty to sixty members. Wow! Which again, I think I think it's huge. Obviously, all these all these players or people don't actually play forty k consistently, but there, there's an interest of about that number. Yeah. Um, which is good, and um, yeah, it's just it's just got bigger and better. Obviously, SN has helped that quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, there's a lot of interest, actually. It's, 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 it's good. Before you started putting on events in Gibraltar, uh, you must have uh, played at other events. Did you, When you got back into 40K, did you start travelling around Europe and the UK and doing things as a competitive player? Um, yeah, so um, I've always liked competitive play. I'm, I'm not the ultra-competitive guy that goes there to win, but I do like a good game of 40k against a good opponent and mm. a good army if, if I'm playing in a good army. So um, I, I didn't travel that much, but 
um, I went a lot into Spain um, to actually uh, try and and, um, and and try a couple of these events. Obviously, everybody in Gibraltar, that's another good thing about Gibraltar, is that we all speak fluent Spanish and fluent English. Yeah. So there was no problem in going into Spain to play tournaments. And um, to tell you the truth, at this point in time, the events in Spain were horrible. Okay. Like, um, were something that I was not liking at all. And that is what actually made me start events in Gibraltar, the bad experiences in Spain, which is funny to see. Well, I wonder if, and I was going to bring this up earlier, but I wonder if your experience traveling to events for dance around the world influenced your view of 40K events because you were able to see outside of 40K what was possible at an event and how a well-organized event is put together and also a bit of glitz and glamour, you know, add a bit of flavor to things. I feel like that's what you've you've brought into your events in Gibraltar is that glitz and glamour and, and quality of event. Do you think dance or seeing dance events around the world helped you with that? Um, uh, actually, in, in a weird way, it has because obviously you go to events um, which are supposed to be all the same level or, or, or same association, yeah. but everybody puts on a different level of, um, of, 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 of events, of competition. And that's something that really... Um, stuck in the back of my mind, you know, the same organizations in different countries would put on a better show or not. And I always thought to myself, I've always found my my experience in some events have always been a better experience just because the event was better run. It looked nicer. They had attention yeah. to detail. And I think that that's something that has always stuck in the back of my mind and helped me with my events. So what was bad about the events in Spain that you decided you could change and do better in Gibraltar? Um, so the people were, were quite nice, but when I was going to events, um, most of the bad things, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying they were awful. I'm just saying that some things were not as I wanted them to sure. be. Got it. Um, and I'm very picky. I'm very OCD. Um, which is a good thing and a bad thing, but um, it was most it was mostly the armies were not painted. Uh, some armies they were leaving armies not even have to be hundred percent built. Um, I was playing on boards without mats, you know, so just wooden panels. Terrain was not good, and all these things were something that I really like to get uh, immersive when I'm playing. I think the terrain should always be nice. There should always be a mat at least, you know. And uh, those were things that when I was coming back, I was really missing that that really important um, virtue for the game. Yeah, and I feel like when at, at that time when you started to go to events in Spain, you've already mentioned that you'd started seeing battle reports. So you're probably looking at bat reps by Mini Wargaming and Striking Scorpion and Tabletop uh, Tactics and whoever else, and you're looking at amazing tables with great painted armies and you think, why... <laughs> You know, then you go to an event and you see tables full of unpainted, unbuilt armies with no terrain. It, there's a massive difference in your expectation versus what you're actually seeing. Yeah, exactly that. I was a massive fan and still am a massive fan of uh, Striking Scorpion, which was probably the, the, the video bar report that I mostly saw at that point. So as I don't know if you've watched him before, but yeah. his, his armies are always nicely painted. His, he's got really narrative 
um, uh, deployments and, and, and terrain. So, so that, that was quite shocking when I was expecting something like that and I was getting exactly the opposite of what I actually saw in a battle report. Yeah. And, and also at this point, when you're kind of getting into it, there are other events on, say, in the States, and you, I don't know if you had, had you seen any coverage of that? So maybe your expectation again was, okay, if I go to an event in Spain, which is a big country, you expect things to be at a certain level. And so it wasn't there and you decided, okay, well, I can do better than that. And you come back to Gibraltar and then what do you go to your club and say, let's put on an event and invite people from around the world? How did it start? Yes. So, so, so at that point, it wasn't even, uh, SN wasn't even a thing. It hadn't even started yet. So um, I started with the Gibraltar club um, and I started putting events uh, with them. I started to uh, get memberships, which wasn't a thing at that point. So people started to feed a bit the club with obviously uh, cash and money, which is always needed. And um, I started buying new terrain. I started new, buying new mats, um, you know, and I started doing my own tournaments there with some other committee members. And um, yeah, I, I've never looked back since since then. It's just got bigger and better. Was the very first one no retreat? Was that where you started? Uh, no, no. I started just local uh, tournaments uh, here in Gibraltar. Okay. And um, then when when SM started, um, our first ever um, um, event was the, the first no retreat. Okay. So SN Battle Reports or SN Start, that's, um, for again, for those that haven't heard or don't know, SN stands for Stephen and Nick. So you two started it together. Uh, was the idea to do the Battle Reports first or was SN started as a tournament or all around 40K organization? Um, it was specifically for battle reports. So uh, I'll tell you a little story. Go on. Um, and I think it's probably one of the, the only places I've actually said this story, especially live on recording. <laughs> so SN started as SP battle reports. Okay. So Stephen Pardo battle reports. The first battle report that came out, and by the way, we were doing classic style. So like the White Dwarf would do, we weren't, we weren't into video at that point. And um, I posted my first battle report out. I had spent some money, um, which I had aside, to buy this really nice battlefield and uh, commissioned some armies to have some nice armies for the first battle report. And the, the feedback I got from the first one was ridiculous. Like, I remember posting it, going to the cinema, coming out after three hours to the cinema, and we were already on like 200 followers wow. uh, on Facebook straight after. So... It, it boomed to an extent which I got nervous about. So straight away, I went up to Nick and I said, look, I don't think I can do this by myself because <laughs> I have a really good feeling that this is going to go good. This is going go to go to, to, to a really good place. So straight away, I said, do you want to be my partner? Um, we'll change the logo to SN instead of SP, which is my full initials. And he agreed with it. And then um, <laughs> seven, eight years later, we're now doing a massive event and... Uh, obviously doing video battle reports as well, yeah. which is not where we started. I love that that could have gone horribly wrong. Like you posted something, you went into the cinema when you came out. It it could have been a disaster already at that point. It could have been a disaster, <laughs> yeah. And especially since, so look, you've seen, I wanted to ask about the classic battle reports. You've, yeah. you know about video. It's not like you don't know. We've talked about Striking Scorpion. Uh, so what made you decide to go with the classic? Was it because of the style or was it your limited uh, gear that you had? What was the behind the decision? Um, a couple of factors, I think. Um, I, I've, always liked, I've always liked to be different. Yeah. So I've always liked to try something that isn't um, 
very popular at the moment and and and, and dip my fingers into there. But um, at that point, um, and I don't know if you remember, and I most I, I, and I assume most people that are uh, listening to this will remember, there was a point where White Dwarf actually stopped doing battle reports in that White Dwarf. Yeah. And at that point, I missed it so so much that I said, I'm going to try and do it myself. And that's how it actually started. It was White Dwarf um, actually stopping. So Games Workshop actually stopping putting those battle reports uh, in those uh, White Dwarfs and um, and restarting them. That's how it actually started. I just love that you're the kind of guy that just in your brain, there's no, there's no I can't do it switch. There's no line that you go, oh, I don't know if I could achieve that. You just go... Like if Apple suddenly stopped making iPhones, you'd go, I miss that. I think I could make an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go do that. No, I'll always at least try it. I'll put 100% in and, and, and hope for the best. But it's a bad thing as well because it's tiring. Because yeah. um, I like to do everything to, to, a good, to a good level. So it is very tiring. It feels like a great move reaching out to Nick and saying, I'm going to need help with this. Like it, it almost doesn't feel like a Pardo thing to do. No, it actually. So imagine how stressed I was, and and that it was, you know, it was that feeling. I I knew there was something positive about it, and um and I knew it was going to be the next couple of years were going to be quite big for us, uh, or or at least get to a place where we were happy about, and and uh, and yeah, that's exactly what happened. I've got to wonder about your girlfriend at this point. So what's her reaction when you go, look, I know I'm already doing football and paintball and MMA and dance, but I want to throw this starting a battle report business in on top of everything else. So it actually quite started quite, um, I think I was doing like a battle report every two or three weeks. Right. So it wasn't that bad. And obviously she's always respected me and everything I do. And she's always been supporting me for for anything I do as well. So she was happy um, that I was actually in a, in, a, in a good place. So just touching base, uh, at that point in time, I wasn't in the best of places. Um, I had a bit of like anxiety, depression, and, and uh, this was actually helping me quite a lot because I think there's a lot of people that have already voiced out. You know, you've got people like Winters and, and other YouTubers. And um, it's, it's Warhammer is very different to anything else. You know, yeah. whilst you're playing it, it feels like you can stop and think about anything else that's happening around the world and in your life and just concentrate on what's happening. And uh, it did take me to a, to, a, to a better place than I was. And for the most part, it's a positive experience, right? Because you're painting this army and you're proud of it and you play a game and you have fun and you meet people and it's all, I mean, aside from a few Facebook people, it's mostly a very positive thing if you are struggling. And I was in the same space as you when I got into it. Yeah, it's 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 great for the mind. Like you said, you know, you've got your your sculpting, your painting, which is a, a very peaceful thing to do. Um, so it it really does help. I, I, now, we've we've gone into bat reps, but I really want to make sure that we spend some time on events as well because they all kicked off about yeah. the same time. Um, and we kind of started down this road of you hosting events. So I want to just finish that off before we talk more about the battle reports, if that's okay. Particularly, No Retreat. So No Retreat has now grown into this big invitation-only international beast of a thing. Was that always the idea when you first started? Because we're up to what, number 11 or 12? Um, yeah, 11 this year. 11 okay. this year, which is crazy. Yes. So it's not 11 years. It's not 11 years of No Retreat. Uh, because the first three years, we did two events a year. Ah. So the first three years is basically six events. 
Okay. So it might sound confusing because people think we've done it for 11 years, but it's the first couple of years um, we, we were doing two events. So, so yeah, like I stated before, I like to do things different. So um, when all the events were exactly the same, very competitive, um, and basically everybody was basically doing what, what everybody else was doing, I came and said, I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to do an invite only. Gibraltar is perfect for that because it's a very good selling point. Yeah, very beautiful uh, country, uh, hot and uh, and all that. And um, I went for it. So I knew I needed at that point. SN was was just in Facebook. We had like a couple of thousand subscribers on on Facebook. We didn't even have YouTube at that point. So I knew we needed a bit more help. And that's when I actually messaged uh, Lawrence Baker on Tables of Tactics, which he just had like. I think it was like 2,000 followers on on YouTube. And for me, that was huge already. Yeah. And um, he actually replied to me. And um, so he helped out the event a lot because obviously he came over. Um, he actually won the first three events as well, I think, which <laughs> was crazy. Yeah, but he, yeah. did, he did a lot of, he helped me a lot. And I, I'll always be very appreciative uh, about what he did for us because um, obviously I won't mention, but I did actually write to a couple of other uh, YouTube channels uh, for help for the first couple of events, and most of them just ignored me because it, well, they were like, "Who, who, who is this guy?" Yeah. Whilst Lawrence was the only guy that actually replied and um, was willing to help me. And to tell you the truth, if it wasn't for him, I don't think we would be at where we are today. So um, I'm very happy about him, and obviously he's a very good friend of mine, um, and uh, it's something that I, w- I will always um, be appreciative for. He's just the nicest guys. I mean, our hobby is full of nice guys. You already mentioned Winter's lovely guy. There's there's so many that you meet who are just, and and often, I have found these people at the who are creating content. All these guys and girls who are creating content, just the loveliest people. But Lawrence among among them all is just this. He's just the nicest human being to meet. Yeah, Lawrence is is, is special. Um, since the first day I met him, it's it's a really really with a sensation because we got along as if we had met, we had known each other for yeah. years, you know, um, we had a lot uh, in, in common. Um, we, we, we could joke around and, and, and know what we, what we, what we were joking about, you know? Yeah. And like I said, he's always supported me. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I, I was invited to his wedding two years ago and he's coming to my wedding. So it's come a very long way. We, we are very good friends now. Yeah. He's a lovely man. You've got hundreds of people who want to come. 150, 200 people will apply to come. And then and then what happens? You go through all the applications and you go, you're looking at beautiful armies and a good mix of armies. How do you decide who gets to be there? What I guess I'm asking is, if, if I decide I want to come, what do I have to do? <laughs> so, so this is the worst thing about no retreats. It's the deliberating of who's going to make the cut or not. As you've already stated, like our last event, I think we had like 170 um, wow. applications, you know, from all around the world. I think we've got like, I think 18 countries have been represented at No Retreat, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is huge. You know, people people coming from all around the globe, which we are very thankful and very uh, appreciative of. Um, but yeah, so we, we get the applications, we sit down as a team, and this normally takes two to three weeks to, to actually get the final uh, 36 uh, to come. Um, we look at armies. We always try to have a range of um, represented countries. We always have, try and fill in every faction slot uh, 
um, to be represented at no retreat as well. So, so there's a lot of factors. You know, there's the hobby side, there's the how look how nice the army looks, uh, where you're from, and um, finally what army you're representing as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the event on the Sunborn, this floating hotel. I really want to talk about that. I feel like, as you said, Gibraltar is this beautiful place. You've got these amazing venues, and you set them up and dress them up so they look incredible. And that's all the marketing you need. You throw these photos of, like, the sunborn out there and say, hey, who wants to come? And everybody in the world goes, well, shit, I would like to go there. That's, it looks amazing. Yeah, exactly. Marketing is very, very important. And uh, to tell you the truth, Gibraltar just uh, – markets itself if you know what i yeah, mean yeah um, it's the, the photos you know you put a couple of photos of of, of the beaches um the monkeys up the rock and uh <laughs> like the, the sunburn the sunburn hotel is just is just a magical place it's it's beautiful uh, it's just by the the by the the restaurants and the and the, um bars and stuff so it's in a really good place as well it's a five star so obviously it's a very nice uh, hotel in the inside as well uh, so yeah, the marketing does it. it. It does the marketing by itself. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful hotel. You get people from all over the world. I feel like if we should do in New Zealand, we should do a Lord of the Rings tournament. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> but it is a, again a long way away. The other advantage with Gibraltar is you can walk there from Spain, so it's it's close, right? It's, it's very close. Yeah, so people, the, the only problem with Gibraltar is that we have a very small airport and only flights from UK come over. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah, so, uh, but the good thing is that mostly everywhere in the world has flights to UK yeah. and then straight to Jib. So we've had, like I said, like this year we've got people from, um, we've got people from Canada, we've got people from America, uh, we've got someone coming from Hong Kong. Um, we've got a girl from Russia coming over as well. Uh, so we're very excited about this one again. Yeah. Uh, and no retreat legends. Uh, so this is the, I want to bring this up because this was not very long ago in the grand scheme of things, you know, a few months. Uh, and you had people like the biggest content creators from around the world. The tabletop Titans guys came from the States to be a part of this event. You had Winters, you had Lawrence, you had, uh, you know, just so many big names. Uh, how do you get those people to come to Gibraltar for an event? Is it just, did you literally just throw the invitations out and wait to see who came? Yeah, it, it was actually quite tricky. So I had this plan in my head for a very, very long time, which um, I actually thought would be a very cool idea to have um, a lot of, um, obviously, content creators come together in, in one place and, um, and basically have an event. Uh, it was quite difficult to actually pinpoint w- what direction I wanted to go. Um, but obviously, um, sadly, so I, I, I'll, I'll take you through the whole story if you, if you want yeah. of how it happened. So two and a half years ago, I sadly lost a, a cousin to suicide. And he was one of the people that actually started playing Warhammer with me. So obviously, he's, he, he was very important to me. Um, and then um, I found out that my auntie had started a charity for um, bereaved uh, parents to help right. out bereaved parents from suicide. And I thought, oh, I really want to help her out. So I, I clicked and I said, well, I, I, I'll tell you what, what we'll do is I'll try what I've always wanted to do, bring these content creators uh, together. And at the same time, instead of being a normal uh, tournament, um, we'll do a fundraising tournament uh, for charities. So I got both charities, uh, her charity, which is Walking Together, 
and another charity for suicide awareness called uh, Gypsams and uh, started uh, a charity fund for them and merged it with No Retreat. So it, it was a bit easier to actually go to content creators and, and, and tell them, look, this is a charity event, which we're going to try and raise money and awareness for something that I, I think is very, very important. And uh, so that helped a lot. Obviously, I had already meant, met, meant, uh, met Winters and likes of Lawrence in, in No Retreat. Um, I've had Liam Dunsby, I've met already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mikey Herbert, Mikey Herbert, I had met. But it was a bit more tricky when I needed to actually contact the likes of Dave from Mini War Gaming and Titan guys who are absolutely awesome guys. Um, but it, it helped. And, and they were very, very supportive of it. So um, it was easier than I thought. I feel like, and you've already mentioned this, but having someone like Lawrence on your side already and saying yes already, and even Winters, you know, those guys, <clears throat> when they say yes, and then you can go to the others and go, look, we've got these two already here. Who else wants to come? And that kind of gives it cred and gives it leads. Exactly, yeah. yeah. As, soon as, as soon as they saw big names already come in, uh, the rest followed through, right? And, and, and it wasn't only us wanting to meet them. Obviously, other creators, want, content creators, wanted yeah. to meet the likes of Lawrence and Winters. Uh, so everybody was excited about it at the same time. Yeah, every like all these people with something in common. I, I I did the same when I launched this podcast. I did the same thing. I had previously met Lawrence and I contacted him first and said, "Listen, I'm doing this podcast, 40k game changes. People like yourself, I'd love you to be a guest on the show." And he said yes straight away. And I was like, "Great, I've got Lawrence <laughs> in the can. Now I can go to other people yeah. and say, <laughs> hey." I've got guests such as Lawrence Baker from Tabletop Tactics coming on, and I'd like you to be there too. And everyone was like, oh, well, yeah, sure. Love to, <laughs> you know. So uh, it's great, and he's, he's a great person to have on your side. All right, so no retreat, no retreat legends, Gibraltar, great place to have things. That's easy, right? The events yeah. get underway. You're doing the events. It's a lot of work, though, putting an event on, especially when you're trying to do it at the level you're doing it at. Uh, and it's a big investment time-wise, but also financially, you know, this this is a big call for you to do this. Yeah, so um, it, it's mostly financial and I always try and, and, and voice it as much as possible. Um, a lot of people think it's like an easy thing to do. Oh, uh, they've just sold 60 tickets. They're, they're now making a lot of money. But it's I, I wish it was like that. But there's so much time investment uh, especially at events like No Retreat, where we cater for their uh, hotels and we give them uh, tours of Gibraltar and other really cool like uh, things to do in Gibraltar. So um, it's it's a lot of work, and to to actually have it at a level that we have it, it's also very expensive. The, the Sunborn to like rent is like 400 to 450 pounds a day, and yeah. when you're renting it for a couple of days. Um, you know, it, it really, it really adds up. So uh, we mostly do it just for, for us and for the hobby because we enjoy what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So events now I want to, because I jump all over the place when I'm doing these things will take my interest and you go off in a direction, but back to, if we can come back to the battle reports, which we started talking about. So nearly eight years ago, you kick off the bat rep channel. You've, we've talked about how you do your classic uh, battle reports and that's how you started and then Nick came on board and you've kind of grown uh, I feel like slowly but surely but eventually a couple of years ago you said we're going to have to go into video yeah that was a big change for us it was a change that 
I had been thinking about for a very long time, and there was a couple of reasons for it. Obviously, battle reports take more time. You do need to invest in equipment, which we didn't have. Uh, you needed a, a bigger studio, obviously, because um, you need more equipment in the studio. Um, and um, basically, Classic didn't do as well as we wanted it, or slowly dying. I think it's mostly because people don't read as much. They just want to get the train to work, put their headphones on, and watch a video. Yeah. And I, 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 I do the same, right? It's, it's, it's just easier to, to watch and obviously learn at the same time because you're actually uh, visually seeing what's actually happening constantly. Uh, another of my things that actually um, made me not do it further or, or, or was a difficult step for me was because I had a lot of friends were, that were already in the industry. So for me, it was like stepping in to something that was their, their industry already. Right. So it was a bit of an awkward type of thing. You know, I actually spoke to some of those friends and told them um, that I was thinking about going. And to tell you the truth, they were all really positive uh, about it and, and really helped me uh, to take the plunge and, 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 and go in that direction. And again, uh, with Lawrence, the first time I came across you actually was on a battle report that you did at Tabletop Tactics. Um, but I but I feel like those guys will understand that the more quality battle reports that are out there, then the more people will come. And so if someone's like attracted to your battle reports, they'll come in and go, oh, this is the first I've seen of this. What else can I watch? And then they go over to the Titans or they go to Tabletop Tactics or they go to wherever because you want to consume more. Striking Scorpion's another one where you go, oh, well, I'm really enjoying these SN battle reports and you start seeking out whatever else there is. So it's not a bad thing for you to step into this space. If anything, you're helping increase the level and increase the quality of bat reps for, you know, which will do everyone else a favour. Yeah, exactly that. The more, the more content there is, obviously, the more people that, that are going to watch and the more people that are going to start playing. So, so it's all a good thing. And I think between all of us, obviously, we're always trying to, to not compete, but to try and improve. Uh, and obviously, having uh, competitors, in a way, has, all, has helped us all out in always trying to improve our quality yeah. of content, uh, which, again, is a good thing. Now, this is going to get awkward because I'm going to ask you a question. I need an honest answer, Stephen, please. Okay. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I did some voiceover work for you, and uh, you, used, yes. you used my voice as the intro to some battle reports, some narrative battle reports. And I did, yeah. I don't know, three or four, and then I never heard from you again after that. You never wanted me to do it again. Was, did I not do a good job? <laughs> you did an excellent job. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, we couldn't have asked for more. Uh, but obviously, it's a bit, it's a bit um, awkward. I don't want to be like, obviously, uh, you helped us out. You did a couple. I know you're busy. Um, but I, if, if you're up to it, I can carry on asking you to do stuff. I'm happy with that. Mate, Everybody I'm, likes your voice. I'm like you. Like you. If it's 40K and it's people you like and you want to, you know, I just enjoy doing that stuff. So anytime, anytime. Amazing. As Thank long as, like I just, when you didn't ask me again, I was like, oh, I got a bit sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to point out really quickly as well that because I think that um, a lot of people that came to No Retreat uh, Legends and helped out deserve for me to say it. We actually raised £13,000. Yeah. Event, wow. Which was crazy. Yeah. That, is, that is crazy. And, and now your aunt who runs the charity to help people, because uh, we've, I've mentioned this already on this podcast before, my brother uh, was a suicide victim and 
it affected our family greatly. Still does. You know, there are still days where we kind of ring each other up and say, just down because we're missing my bro. Uh, and that was 11 or so years ago. So it's it affects you for a long time. And so your aunt who runs this uh, charity to support family members um, must have been very, very impressed by that and happy to get that, you know, touched by a family Thank member you. doing something. Yeah, they, they weren't expecting it at all. To tell you the truth, no one was expecting to raise that amount of money. So I remember when we were like on the second day of live streaming the event, and I remember sending her a message and saying like, we're on like 10,000 grand, which means, sorry, we're on 10 grand, which means that your charity is going to get about five already. She just, she was in shock. She didn't want, she was like, no, no. Don't give me so much. Just <laughs> let's spread it out more. I'm like, no, we're doing this for you. Uh, so, and I'm sure you're going to do a good job with where the money is going. So, uh, she was she was just ecstatic. Um, yeah, very very happy with with the outcome. You've dug yourself a hole though, haven't you? Because now we've got a taste for it, us viewers. We want to see uh, no retreat legends. We want to see them back again. Winters won the last one. I should point that out as well. So uh, we want to see them back doing it again. So, <laughs> so now you're going to have to put on another legends event. Yeah, we're, we're, we're thinking about it already. Um, we had a lot of fun. But at the same time, like I said, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do it biannually. We're going to do it every two years. So obviously um, people can um, make sure that they can save up some money for it and obviously uh, look back and see what, where we can actually um, make things better. Uh, so, But we're, we're certainly doing it, especially to uh, charity work, which we all love to, to help. And I think it's, we're in a very good place to join forces. Uh, we all have um, a good fan base, so and they're always willing to help as well. So I think it's it should be something that we should look, be looking forward to every two years. What's more important, dance, MMA, or 40k? Where do they rank in your life? Well, 40k is my love. As much as I love the other stuff, the problem is like if you would have asked me that like maybe six or seven years ago, it would have been a very tough question yeah. uh, because at that point I probably did the three at the same time. But look, um, I've like the saying goes, you know, I've done it. I've got the T-shirts um, for both dance and MMA. Uh, but I do want to further on my career in 40K. And I've got a lot of things that I still want to do and tick all those boxes. So at the moment, I'm really, really looking forward to the next couple of years in 40K. Yeah, nice one. I feel like that's a that's a good place for us to wind it up. Thanks so much for your time, out. I really appreciate it. Just another one of the lovely guys that I've had the uh, good fortune to to get to know a little bit through this hobby and um, and nice to have you on the show. No problem. Thank you very much uh, for having me and keep up the good work because I think you're doing a, a, a cracking job. Thanks again to this week's guest, Stephen Pardo. Since we recorded that chat, the roster for No Retreat 11 in Gibraltar has been announced. 26 players from nine different countries, including the first ever New Zealander. Check out SM Battle Reports and have a look at their Facebook page for pictures from their amazing events. Thanks for listening. Again, go like us on Facebook, leave a review, suggestions for guests and anything else you want to say. I'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Steve Joel and this has been 40K Game Changers. 